Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbytes author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Chuck Monroe, founder of Gold Dust Publicity, LLC, which has been instrumental in the successful launch of more than a thousand books. These include politics, current events, history, fiction, health and fitness, science, biography, memoir, self-help, spiritual, religious, cooking, textbooks. If there's a genre, he's promoted it. Prior to founding Gold Dust Publicity, Chuck served as vice president of a Boston literary publicity firm. He also ran two fine Boston restaurants, spent 12 years on air at Boston radio stations, and spent 10 years working on commercial fishing boats in the North Atlantic. Chuck, welcome to the Skill Bites Show. We're so delighted to have you join us today. Thank you very much, Judy. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Chuck, tell us how you went from fishing to radio stations to restaurants, a publicity firm, and then starting your own publicity firm. That isn't the traditional um, career path for somebody? Well, uh, might be. I've just not heard of it. <laughs> um, well, when I uh, got when I got out of college, um, there was uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, the economy was not robust, and I was offered a job one day just by happenstance by a fellow who uh, picked me up hitchhiking on Cape Cod and offered me a job uh, uh, working on his commercial fishing boat. So uh, I did that for a number of years, um, and I was. Uh, one of the things that I did was I would sell um, uh, what we called shack. Shack was a uh, sort of uh, incidental catch on the boat. If we were fishing for codfish and we brought up a few lobsters, those lobsters were shack and I got to sell them. And I sold them to restaurants and a restaurateur offered me, um, one of the people that I sold to uh, offered me a job in Boston and my children had gotten to the age where they needed good schools. So, uh, so we moved to, uh, Boston, I worked in the restaurant business for a while. And um, when uh, that kind of, I don't know, I sort of lost my zeal for that business and thought about things that I would like to do. And I was in my 30s and um, I had had a radio show when I was in college and I thought, maybe I'll try radio. So, uh, <laughs> so I did. I went back to school. I went basically into a radio, to a communications trade school uh, for a few months, learned the language and applied for some jobs and got a job uh, in Boston with Greater Media. And I worked for them on and off. Uh, it's a couple of, I made a couple of moves to MS Broadcasting, um, but for the next dozen years. And then one of the shows that I was on, uh, the stations that I was on decided to change formats, um, which left me without a job. I had a morning drive position in Boston and left me without a job and one of my listeners called up and offered me a job um, doing like he would, would regularly pitch me with his guests um, and offered me a job to, uh, to do PR. So, hmm. so I took that and that led to starting my own business now eight years ago. Wow, so it sounds like you've had a number of fortuitous job offers. 
Absolutely, yes. Yeah, things happen if I've been, um, I feel like I've had a lot of grace in my life. So how did you get involved with books? Well, um, I'm a reader and uh, the publicity company, the PR company that hired me, hired me to promote authors and put authors on uh, talk shows around the country. Gotcha. And, okay. uh, and when I started my own business, uh, the big change was that when I was, um, I had a you know, great position, great title, great office, good salary, and, uh, uh, but I was very unhappy there. It wasn't, a, it wasn't great working conditions. So, and I decided when, but I might have uh, 75 books on my desk at one time. Obviously I couldn't read all or frankly any of them. Um, so I decided when I started Gold Dust Publicity that one of the things that I would do was uh, read every book that I promoted cover to cover and speak with each author. Mm -hmm. Great. So, and, and now you've done thousands of authors. So that's a lot of books that you've read. Well, that's an overestimate. I've done many authors with Gold Dust publicity. Um, before that, yes, I, I would say that I was in the thousands because of the 12 years before that, uh, in the several hundreds um, with Gold Dust publicity. Okay, so now we know how you got into books and what you do. I'm curious about your take on why publicity, um, how does that help authors? Um, well, it's really kind of a simple answer. The simple answer is if you don't publicize, no one knows about it. And traditionally, um, when a publisher took a book, decided to publish your book, <coughs> excuse me, they would, um, have a promotions budget and it would go out to uh, print and electric media, excuse me, please. Um, but the publishing business as many has changed and those budgets have shrunk. They still have uh, promotion budgets for some books, but not for others. So if I'm an author and I've just spent the last say three years reading and researching my researching and uh, writing my book, um, I need to, plan to spend at least a year promoting it. Otherwise, uh, the book will be published, it'll look lovely on your shelf and on the shelves of your friends and family to whom you've given the book, um, but otherwise no one will know about it. So uh, promotion is uh, an incredibly important part of, if you plan to sell books, an incredibly important part of that process. Yes, it certainly brings a lot more visibility to the book as well as to the author and whatever the the author's business is that's correct yes uh in in addition to the visibility when you're on whatever it is radio stations tv then you gain a lot of credibility just because somebody is interviewing you uh, that's correct judy and that what's um i had a a, John Bogle was one of the authors that I promoted, uh, the, uh, the founder of Vanguard. And he said that for most people in business, uh, writing a book has become the calling card. So uh, it's very important, I think, uh, if that is part of your, you know, if you're not just a full-time writer, not just a full-time writer, if you're not a full-time writer uh, and you run a business of any sort and have an idea for a book, uh, that really becomes, uh, that, has, that has a great deal of cachet, I think, and uh, no matter what business that might be. 
I mean, look at Marie Kondo. Uh, yeah, you, you can use a book in so many different ways, whether it's yeah. to elevate your credibility or to drive leads to your business or get speaking engagements. Uh, there's a myriad of ways that you can use a book, but you're not going to get very far unless people know about your book. And one of the ways to do that is through PR, which yes. is exactly what you do. So yes. of the different uh, mediums that you work with, what would you say is the most effective for authors of, of business type books? Um, so uh, ideally, um, or traditionally, the publisher um, starts to promote a book nine to six months before the pub date. And they do that by sending galleys out to, uh, to print outlets. So if you're a business book, you know, you'd send a galley to the book reviewer at Forbes and, uh, uh, and Business Week and the Wall Street Journal. And, um, and, uh, and then would follow that up as, uh, as the pub date approached would follow it up with radio, television, with pitches for radio and television, uh, especially after you have hard copies of the book. Um, now, today, that would also include social media and podcasts. Um, so for, I would say for a business person, actually, I, I believe, because I do a lot of it, and because I think that it's effective, the most cost-effective way to promote a book is on radio. Um, I, I like TV. TV is much more expensive to, uh, much more time consuming to book. And it's my belief that most people that um, watch TV, I don't want to sound too prejudicial, but most people that watch TV are not great readers. Uh, I, I think that there are lots more book buyers listening to NPR than there are watching um, uh, watching uh, television shows. Now, that there are some exceptions to that. You know, when Charlie Rose was doing his thing and Oprah had her book club on, on uh, that, they, they, those were the makings of instant bestsellers, but those were rare on television. Um, so I would say, I guess the short answer is, a <laughs> long answer that I finally got into anyway, is that uh, radio is the more, uh, more effective way to reach a large audience for a book. And how do you go about getting interviews on the radio? Can you uh, how, how do I personally or how does one uh, an author who's who's has a small budget themselves for promotion? Right, let's go with the author with a small budget. Right. So um there's a lot of uh there's a lot of time one must invest a lot of time and energy into it. Um, so I, I would say that, so I've written a book and, um, uh, and I want to get some promotion and I have a business in Philadelphia. Uh, I, what I would do then is start to Google Philadelphia radio and television stations and, uh, try to find out who is the program director or who is the producer of my favorite show. Uh, who are the people that talk about books? Who are the people that talk about books like my book? And then um, I would email that person. 
uh, if I can get the email, which is not always easy. Um, radio and television tend to hide those people for some reason. I have no idea why, but maybe because they feel that they'd be inundated with emails and not be able to do their regular job. But the, um, so the author um, needs to track down the producer of that morning show that he or she listens to and send an email. And the email has to be uh, brief, catchy, to the point, and describe what his or her book is about. I've got this book. Here's who I am. I live in Philadelphia. I listen to your show. And I think that your listeners would be interested in this. And then follow that up with a phone call. It'll be rare to reach a host or producer directly, but chances are pretty good you'd have a uh, reach a voicemail. Um, I can say this because I was involved in the business for many years, and it's true about me as well as most of the people that I deal with in radio and television. Everybody in electronic media has ADD. So you need to get to them really quickly. Uh, a, um, you can send a, a, a three-page, single-spaced um, description of your book off to maybe the New York Times, and someone may take the time to read that. Uh, but in radio, no one is going to look at it. In television, no one has the time for that. They're going to look for a punchy subject line, and, uh, and then they're going to look for a very brief description of both the book and you, the author. And then uh, repeat. You find the next station and do the same thing, and then the station after that. And then gradually begin to widen your field of vision. So if you want to, if you're willing to drive, you go and you want television, you go to, uh, oh, you go to New York and you go to uh, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. and Pittsburgh and uh, Buffalo and places that you'd be willing to drive. Because with television, you'd have to go there. Um, you have to be there in person. Um, and just make personal contacts. Add those people in, let them know what's up. When someone says, yes, I'm interested, you make sure that they have a copy of the book within the next two days. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great information. I had even heard that um, if you're seeking to be interviewed by somebody in media, you may not be able to find an email address. You may not even be able to find a phone number, but sometimes you can find a fax number and faxes are as effective because people think that faxes, I guess, that come across are somewhat important. So they, they read them. They are, they're somewhat, like, uh, they're somewhat like getting regular mail and people like to read things on paper. I know I still love to get, you know, the rare letter that uh, doesn't have a, a bill involved. Um, so yes, I think that people are uh, thrilled to have that. Um, but fewer and fewer, unless you have a news-related subject, um, the only place in most radio and television stations that has a fax machine anymore are the newsrooms. So a book reviewer may not have a fax machine or even look at one. And now a lot of faxes also come through on their computers rather than as a piece of uh, hard copy. Right, that's true. A lot of people have those uh, fax numbers that are essentially um, files in their computer. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm.
So what is, how does your process differ from what you've just explained for the author who wants to try to do it themselves? Well, um, it differs because I, I have a long history of uh, doing it. So I have uh, thousands of contacts in radio and television, and I have personal relations with many of them. So there are other people like me out there doing what, what it is that I do. Um, often the difference between getting uh, my author on your show or another author on your or another author getting on your show is the fact that I happen to know, you know, we happen to have been working together for the past 12 years. Uh, I know that you have two children and uh, that uh, you worked as a, uh, as a street magician when you were 18 years old. Um, so the the deal in PR is to make those direct contacts. Otherwise, my job is really very similar. I, I have to do, uh, there's a lot of turnover. Um, radio producers and television producers are notoriously ill-paid. So when they're offered a better job in a boom economy, they tend to move on. So I'm often looking for who the new producer of this show is. There are also, you know, ratings come in every three months, uh, heads roll, and uh, there's a new show on. I have to find out what that new show is, who, uh, who was making the decisions about, uh, who's making the decisions about what's, what the show is gonna be like and whether or not they're gonna do things like author interviews. Um, so there's, a, it's a lot of uh, footwork, uh, a lot of phone and uh, email work and uh, research. Uh, and then the attempt to make the first contact, you know, and the best way to do that is to have a really good subject. If I have a, a you know, if I had a book right now about um, COVID-19, um, I would have a captive audience for that. And I might be able to reach out to stations that I have not worked or shows I have not worked with in the past who would eagerly book with me. And then I just start gathering information about them and mm -hmm. what, what it is that they're looking for. Right. Okay. So you've got somebody who's interested. You mentioned that uh, you immediately send the book to them. What else are they looking for or what else should you do? What kind of pitch should you make after you've actually gotten the, the acceptance? How do, you, how do you best prepare for your interview? Uh, well, it's really it's really important to have a few things, a few quivers in your, a few arrows in your quiver. You want to have a, a, a press release, and you want to have files um, of, let's so say you want a, a JPEG of the cover of your book, uh, a, your own headshot, um, probably a watermarked PDF uh, of the book, and then, of course, hard copies. So you send off a hard, hard copy, and it has a, your press release in that. It's so a one, one page at most. And it has a, a brief description of the book. It has your contact information, and it has your uh, a very brief bio. Um, and you want it to look nice. And then you send that off uh, you, to uh, to the show producer or host. Your next step is to wait a few days and then follow up. Ideally, you know, it used to be uh, you would follow up with a uh, uh, with a phone call. Most people do not, most producers, the majority of producers are younger. Uh, they don't do phone calls. 
they do email and uh, or text. But it's more it's easier to get an email than it is to get a personal uh, to get a, a mobile phone number. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, and then uh, maybe you follow up again. If they've expressed an interest, you wait another week and say, oh, I sent you this book on February 19th and wondered if you had an opportunity to look at it. And if you did, um, if you have any interest in interviewing me. Okay. Uh, and let's say that somebody actually says, yes, let's schedule an interview. And that's wonderful. How can you best utilize, make that interview the most effective you can and, and to exploit it so that you, you get a lot more uh, use out of it? Well, I think the best thing to do is to listen to other uh, interviews um, and certainly listen to the, uh, get as much information as you can gather about the person who's going to be doing the interview. So a producer will probably have arranged the interview, but you want to find out what the host is like and what the show is like. If it's a television show, you want to see what do, you know, what do guests wear and what do the topics look like and how do I look like I fit in uh, into this uh, particular sweet spot that works for this particular uh, television show. Um, uh, check out the host style prepare some questions. It's really important. Um, as I said, you know, I, I, at one point in time, I had maybe I would have 75 books on my desk. Um, radio shows and television producers have the same problem. Everybody wants to get on their show. Everybody sends them books. Everybody sends them pitches. What, doesn't, what everyone doesn't send are questions. So if you send suggestion questions, then uh, they immediately, their, their work is uh, cut dramatically. Um, and you make it easier for them. And also you have an opportunity to hit those questions out of the park because you now know the questions that are coming up. Uh, you have an opportunity, as we used to say in radio, to rehearse your ad libs and, uh, and to come in and sound uh, fresh and enthusiastic about each question that's asked. Uh, it's a, um, you know, the, in in uh, in radio, uh, it's a little different. Obviously, you don't have to worry about what it is that you're wearing um, or how you look, uh, but you do need to be you do need to sound uh, interested and engaged, and uh, you need to make sure that your equipment works. Uh, you don't want to call from uh, a landline. Uh, God save us from uh, mobile phones on radio interviews. If you listen to them. Uh, they often sound scratchy or distant. The sound drops out. It's gotten much, much better. But if you only have a mobile phone and you have to do your interviews that way, uh, you want to make sure that you really have a spot in your home or office that's quiet uh, and that uh, everyone that you call, your friends and family, will tell you, yes, the signal sounds great. You sound loud and clear. Uh, it's terrific. Often, better stations will not do a radio, they'll, they'll tape a, uh, an interview on a mobile phone, but if there's any sound dropout, they'll get rid of the interview. And uh, if you've gone to all the trouble to do the research, make the contact, interest the host uh, and producer, 
and arrange the interview, you really want to make sure that your interview makes it to the air. Right. Yeah, that would be a shame to go through all that effort and then not have the um, the interview aired because something happened with the sound. Yes. Any other differences that are pertinent between radio, TV, print, things like that? Well, yes. I mean, um, there. Um, um, I suggest to all my uh, authors that they have as much of a social media presence as possible. Uh, you, they want to have. I mean, this is um, kind of. It's gotten so obvious that I forget to mention it sometimes, but. Um, you need to have a website, a book website, a site that tells you, uh, you know, who you are, that draws the eye in, that you can direct people to who are interested in you. Um, with uh, print, you need to realize that there's a long lead time. So the sooner you get there, the better. You want everything. You want your publicity to start really building just before your book is published, and continue for a while after that. So. Uh, if there are print targets that you have in mind, if you think that your book is New York Times worthy, um, you send it off, uh, you send a galley copy to the right person six months in advance and follow up on it. Um, uh, with, uh, you know, the process is pretty similar for both radio, television, and podcasts, but podcasts also tend to have, they've become more and more popular and they obviously have a targeted Hang on just a second. We have a little ancillary noise here. Um, if that happened to one of my authors, I'd yell at them. Um, um, with, uh, with podcasts, a lot of times they're weekly. And the tendency is to, uh, there aren't too many people that do a daily podcast. There aren't too many targeted podcasts that do a daily lots of you know lots of radio stations do and television stations do daily podcasts and newspapers magazines but uh, it's rarer among individuals so there's often a long time delay there uh, if you want your uh, if you want your interview to air in april it's probably a good idea to contact the podcast host in january uh, Social media, you build up as much interest in social media as you can. You know, you do it by helping to, by promoting other authors and asking those other authors to promote you. Um, and, uh, and in television and radio, it's more of a shrunken uh, time span, uh, usually a month between uh, when you start to promote the book and when, uh, unless it's a newsworthy item when you start to promote the book and when the uh, interview will actually air. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, they don't want to record you and then put you on six months later when the news has changed and what you're saying might not be as newsworthy. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's always serendipitous if uh, the, the topic that you've been working on for the past three or four years winds up being you know at the top of the news um hopefully it's good news and not you know a pandemic but um 
you know, that's, that's really, and that's another thing that I suggest to my authors is that they keep an eye on the news so that if there's something in their topic, uh, something in their book on which they, on which uh, they can uh, speak as an expert um, to then let me know. So if, if I have someone uh, who can talk about infectious diseases, uh, I can offer them now as, you know, as an expert in whatever area they might happen to be. And news stations, which would normally not be interested in that particular topic, I might become uh, quite interested at the moment. Is there, I know there's the resource Harrow, help a reporter out. Is there anything else out there that people can use to find out what topics uh, reporters are looking for? You know, I, I'm not really sure of the answer to that. I just know that uh, if you have an, you know, since I deal primarily with electronic media, um, I just have newsroom numbers. So uh, it's really, that's a, those are a great resource for, um, for, you know, something that's happening today. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a, um, an author who had, uh, uh, he was a psychiatrist and had written about trauma and you know, his book was was modestly received people some there were some people and some people who were interested in him some health shows and uh, um, but uh, then the uh, it was the bombing at the most the Boston Marathon happened shortly after I started to promote the book and suddenly the whole world was interested in this fellow and and how people were gonna deal with that kind of trauma. Um, so I started to uh, email and call my newsroom contacts in all the major cities around the country. And, uh, and we were inundated with requests. So it's very important to keep an eye on the news. Um, stories that appear on the, first, on the front page are gonna be something that'll get you onto a station that might not other, otherwise be interested in you. Okay, and um, <clears throat> what other tools are available to help somebody identify who are the producers and the hosts of the programs that would be relevant for them to try to reach out to? Well, I, I don't really like to promote um, uh, paid sites, uh, paid places, but uh, there is one. Uh, there's a, uh, there's, well, let, let me give you the, um, free one first. It's called Radio Locator. And there's also an equivalent for uh, another site called Radio and Record. Um, and you can also Google television stations in an area. So you can Google uh, TV stations in uh, New York or TV stations in St. Louis. Um, I don't know that there's a TV resource like Radio Locator, but Radio Locator gives you station information, um, sort of the broadcast area. It's more technical stuff, but it usually also gives you a phone number for the station. So you can get into a general um, uh, voicemail box or often reach for bigger stations, you'll reach uh, a receptionist. And the receptionists are sometimes open to giving you names, numbers, and not numbers, but names and emails for producers and show hosts. That would be very helpful. Um, 
because yeah. otherwise I guess those people would be hard to to know what the phone number is to contact directly. Yes. Now there's a there's a paid site that gives you a ton of information. But it's I think is very dear and uh, but if you have the financial resources, there's a, a product called Cision, and it's C-I-S-I-O-N. Uh, and as I said, it's a yearly expense. It's quite expensive. It's for, uh, for print, radio, TV, and podcast professionals uh, to track those people. And they stay up to date, um, and they give you the information um, you know, all the information say that I need in order to contact a, uh, uh, in order to contact a producer or a host of a particular show. And roughly how much is that per year? Uh, well, the last, last I looked at was $4,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty expensive. It, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But you know, if this is a, if this is more than just a labor of love, if in fact you, you know, and that's also is a, a big question. It's not a question that I'm ever asked by publishers because they know um, that if you don't promote, the book doesn't sell. But authors often want to know what's going to be the return on my investment, um, and I can't give an answer to that. I can't tell you that you know a radio interview is going to be worth the sale of 17 books. Um, I can't tell you if anybody is going to buy your book if you have a television interview, but I can tell you that no one is going to buy your book. You're guaranteed that no one is buy your, going to buy your book unless they know about it, unless they're aware that it exists, unless they know how to get hold of it. So if you want to, you know, if you decide, okay, I, I've put all this work in and I'm now going to promote my book. Uh, if there was, if there's one shortcut tool, um, a valuable shortcut tool that uh, that uh, PR professionals use, it's Cision. Okay. Now, there's more to getting one of these interviews than book sales. Do you work with your author, your author clients, to exploit the interview and and if so, what are some of the best ways to do that? Yes, I, I do that. And I will say, uh, full disclosure, that I do it at an additional price. So I offer media training for radio and television. You know, with print, um, I suppose that one could offer uh, training for how to do a print interview. But there's no way to, there's <laughs> no way to control what the writer is going to say, nor how the editor is going to chop things up. So... You know, in print, you take your chances. You go, you put your book out there. Hopefully, you get a good review. If you get a print interview, that's wonderful. That means that they're really interested. Um, but there's very little control over the content. Um, that's uh, um, uh, in uh, in radio and television. Well, radio is different than television, but in radio and te you know, television is visual. So obviously, the most, the first and greatest impression you're going to make is how you look. Uh, you obviously want to be well groomed and well dressed. Don't wear garish colors, you know, unless uh, you, you know, unless you want to have that kind of attention. Unless you're interested in some sort of, excuse me, some sort of clown show. But otherwise, um, 
you need to pay attention to make sure that there's no stripes and plaids and then you wear a blue shirt uh, if you're a man something simple and uh, not multicolored uh, uh, if you're either a man or a woman um, and then I, I think that the, the way to control that as best as possible is to uh, create questions, make sure that the producer of the show has those questions and practice your responses. So I really, I strongly advise my authors to do practice interviews, you know, call up mom and have her ask you uh, the questions or call up your brother and have him ask you the questions and give your responses and listen to the feedback. Um, your brother is gonna give you a little harsher reply than your mom. Um, and that's sort of like the job of a program director. Program directors want you to sound the best you can possibly sound on the air. So the best way to control that situation and to prevent present yourself in the best possible light is to both um, provide questions and uh, rehearse your answers. Now, I feel that there are two kinds of interviewers. There are those that, that follow the script of the questions, and then those who use um, your response to frame their next question. And in that case, you lose that kind of, as the, as the guest, you lose that kind of control. But often you get involved in things that are really interesting. Um, people often ask me, how often, how often should I mention the title of my book? Because when you listen to an interview on the air, if you're flipping around in stations, you often hear, well, in the book you say, oh, you know, or in my book I talk about. So every once in a while, it's important uh, to use that internal editor and realize, oh, well, they haven't mentioned um, that, you know, the title of my book is The Story of More. So we get to say instead, oh, in the story of more, I talk about climate change in chapter three. Uh, uh, so, uh, rehearsal is, <laughs> uh, write those questions and then rehearse your responses. Right. And, and, and be prepared for going off the, the, um, questions that you've provided that will actually provide a, a better interview, I think, than, uh, those people who just follow the script. Absolutely. I think that you're absolutely right. Yes. Well, it's just a different interview. I'm not sure if it's a better one, but it's it's a different one. And uh, uh, I haven't often been, uh, you know, I've always been the interviewer, but uh, my wife and I uh, were given a wedding gift um, in 1999 by a Saudi prince. We were given a trip to Saudi Arabia. Wow. And at, at the time, very few... Americans had ever been in Saudi Arabia unless they were involved with the military. So we went there as uh, as tourists, and uh, and people were that I was dealing with all the time uh, uh, in PR were really interested in talking to me. Uh, and those interviews I found were fascinating because uh, there were so many I didn't have a product to give them, and there were so many misconceptions about what it was that I might see or opinions about what it was like there by people who had actually no experience. So uh, it, was, it was very intriguing, sometimes a little bit, um, a little bit unsettling, but uh, always interesting. Well, 
It sounds like an interesting story to find out how you got a trip to Saudi Arabia from a Saudi prince. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. Exactly, a little bit off topic for, for this. Um, any other tips that you think a, a budding author, an author who's um, in the process of writing a book or maybe has just finished, should know about uh, preparing for or giving or um, or utilizing an interview that they've done, whether it's radio or TV or podcast, print? Yes, I think it's really important. I mean, one of the things that I suggest to, I always ask the producers to send me a link to the interview after it's over. They rarely respond. However, um, if my author asks the producer when the phone call first happens, when they, they, the producer calls and says, hi, this is Jim from WJR, and you're gonna be on in three minutes. Uh, if the author says, uh, would you do me a favor and send me a, a copy of an MP3 or a link to the interview when it's over, uh, then seven times out of 10, you'll actually get that interview. I think it's really important to listen to how you sound uh, and how you look. Uh, look at how you look uh, in a TV interview. If it's possible yourself, if you have the uh, technical capability, tape the interview yourself. That'll give you an idea of the sound quality and also give you a very clear idea of how you sound in your responses. Yeah, taping the interview makes a lot of sense because as you said, seven out of 10 times you'll get the interview, but that's 30% of the time. You won't, but if you tape it yourself, then at least you have that. That's right. Then, then you have it 100% of the time if you're capable of doing that. The problem with it is sometimes the technology causes a sound drop-off in radio. So that can be challenging. It's pretty easy to tape, um, you know, everyone, not everyone, but most people can DVR. So if you know when, when a show is going to be on, uh, you know, you made it to the, the uh, Good Morning America, um, you can tape that morning's show and you'll have that to look at uh, and to listen to. Uh, radio is a little more challenging, especially if it's a taped show, you never know when it's gonna play. Uh, but if you have the technical capability of taping without that sound drop, again, that'd be something I would suggest that you do well before your first radio interview, just to make sure that you know that the sound quality is good and that you sound okay. You know, it'll also point out things like, if you have a, uh, if there's a verbal crutch that you use all the time, um, you'll be able to hear that and perhaps work on correcting that. Right. What are some of those um, little um, crutches that that people do in your experience that they need to try to practice not doing? <laughs> I'm going to sound a little ageist, but my young authors, when I have an author under the age of 30, now I'm 35, I have to remind them the word like is only supposed to be used in certain areas. It's not like, hey, like I was talking about this and I was like that. Um, we don't want to sound like, um, like somebody from, from Valley Girl. Uh, it's important to listen to those verbal tics. I have a tendency to um. And uh, umming comes across as something that people focus on rather than on the words that one is actually saying. 
Yeah, good advice. If you listen to yourself, you might pick up more than you'd pick up just by your talking. So record yourself, listen, get other people to listen, and they can point out things as well. Yes, and listen to those as though you're listening to someone else, because you'll sound like someone else. You don't, um, the, the voice that I hear in my head is not the voice that comes across on air. Um, and it's not the voice that comes across uh, in, the, in the living room when I'm talking to someone else. It's just the voice that I hear. There's, I have my own particular echo chamber going up in my head. Um, so it's really important to listen to that, to listen to that tape, and then listen to the feedback that you get. I had some, what I consider very cruel program directors when I was on radio, but they really wanted me to sound the best that I could on the air. And I came to appreciate that, even though, <laughs> even though it was very unsettling at the time. Right, yep, it's, it's great. Um, we never do sound to ourselves the way we think we sound. Uh, and most of the time, we don't like the way we sound. <laughs> it's true, Judy. Yes, you're right. So when you are interviewed and you have this recording, what can you do with it? Um, you know, I think that it's. I think it's like. I think it's like writing a paper, for your English literature teacher when you were in college. If you look at the red marks on the paper and pay attention, you have the opportunity to write a better paper the next time. And it's the same thing with uh, what we used to call in radio air checks. I'm sure they'd still call it an air check. When you listen to an air check, what happens is that every time, as the uh, host of the show, every time I press the on button for the microphone, a tape starts and uh, and my voice is taped for the entire time that I'm talking. It stops when I turn the microphone off and we go to commercials or something. I get an opportunity then to listen back to that and hear how I sound, hear what I'm doing, hear whether I stumble over my words, whether I'm making sense, whether I'm progressing through the interview, uh, whether I'm uh, delivering facts clearly, whether my voice sounds, sounds well or not. So that's, those are the kind of marks that you want to look for. The things that you may find unsettling, grammatical errors, uh, syntax problems, then address those and make sure that those don't happen again on your next interview. Yeah, I guess I, I had something a little different uh, and that is you want to you do as much as you can with the recording like posting it on your website, maybe taking snippets and putting them on social media. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more than you can do than just having the interview go out on whatever the radio station is or TV. Yes, and then another thing that you might do, it just occurred to me, uh, uh, is when you get that link to your interview, load that onto your website. You wanna have people be able to listen to your show or to your interviews when they come to check out your book. So you have your book website. There's an area there that you can put links to your uh, to your various performances, and also links to articles, reviews, anything that relates to your book. 
Great. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. Is there anything that we haven't covered that uh, you think would be valuable for a, uh, a book, an author to know about? Um, no, I, I think you've been very thorough, uh, Judy, and, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Excellent. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you for some more information, how would they best do that? Uh, best to contact me through the website, uh, which is www.golddustpublicity.com or uh, directly uh, email me directly at chuck at golddustpublicity.com. Great. And uh, I guess one, one last question for you. What's, um, what's a ballpark cost for hiring somebody like you to help someone get interviewed uh, to promote their book? There are lots of, there's a, a big spectrum of cost. Uh, the way that I work is I work on uh, what I produce rather than my effort. There are lots of publicists who are hired for their effort and some who are worth that effort. Um, but I, f I found that it's the most, uh, the cleanest and most ethical way for me to run my business is to only charge the author for what I actually book. So I basically, <laughs> basically I do white collar piecework and I charge by the interview. But I think that if, you, if one budgets for promotion, I think that you can get in and get some publicity done for as little as $1,000 and quite easily spend 10,000 a month, uh, depending on your budget, your willingness to spend and how much uh, you look, I think it's really important, Judy, to look for a reputable publicist. You know, it's just as, as it's important to look for a reputable dentist or, or mechanic. You want someone who's going to do the job for you, uh, treat you well, uh, honor your product, and, uh, and uh, charge you fairly. And I think that the way to do that is to contact other authors. If you're a writer and you're not involved with other authors, it's probably a good idea to start getting involved with them because they'll have gone through a lot of the same things. Good idea to find out from other authors who they've worked with and whether or not that person has given them a good service. Um, the same way you would check out any service or trades person. Right, okay. Again, thanks so much for all your information, Chuck. I've really learned a lot from you on this show and I'm delighted that you could join us today. Well, thank you for having me, Judy. I really appreciate it.